0: Welcome to Synergetic Culture, where we exist to provide practical and tangible content to help you build a synergetic culture. Here's the dichotomy, though. Culture is formed either by design or by default. A culture by design, when adopted by the people within the culture, has a multiplying effect in the way it builds the organization and the individuals within it. And this, my friends, this is a synergetic culture. So how do we create a culture by design? What fundamentals and tactics and principles build a synergetic culture? Well, you've come to the right place. So no matter where you find yourself in your career, this podcast is for you. And with that being said, let's jump into today's episode of Synergetic Culture.
1: And we are back. Welcome to Synergetic Culture. This is episode 32. My name's Adam Bieber, and I'm your host. And I'm so glad that you're listening to today's episode. We are back. And I'm excited to talk a little bit of content about exposing the who inside your team. That is the theme of today's episode. It's called Wired, Exposing the Who Inside Your Team. And I want to talk about it because whether or not you're leading a team, it's important to understand how to dig into the DNA of a team. Uh, And one thing that you can do today is start with you. So I want to give you some resources. I want to talk about it and uh, help us kind of understand why this is important and then give you some practical resources that you can uh, take a look at and potentially implement in your life now, today, and potentially implement in a team later, possibly tomorrow. So, um, for any team that exists, there is a DNA. There's a uniqueness that comprise the team of individuals. They've got different backgrounds, experiences, giftings, talents. And this creates an underlying DNA of a team. The key to success within that team is understanding And being able to read that DNA, leverage it to maximize results. The responsibility is on the leader to tap into that DNA, uh, to connect the team, to help them to see how their gifts and how their wiring um, can contribute to the goals of that team. It's super important to remember that each member... um, needs to be recognized and seen and heard and understood. And by understanding the DNA and wiring of a person, you do that. You build morale within that team as well by the way that you connect with the people within it. So this is the responsibility of a leader to maximize each team member by leveraging their DNA to accomplish the goals and objectives of a team. Now, this is way, way, way easier said than done. So that's why I want to talk about it today. And that's why I want to unpack a couple of tools and resources that I personally have found very helpful in my life to help me understand me so that then later I can better understand others. I can better understand the people that I lead. So, um, I've said this before on this podcast, many, many times, and if this is your first time listening, it might be the first time you hear me say it, but I firmly believe that whom who you are matters more than what you do, who over what, and this exercise today is all about the who. It doesn't really matter what the objective of a team is. Understanding the who that lie within it is extremely, extremely important. Um, it's interesting because I have, um, there is a little bit of a taboo, uh, energy around assessments and um, and and how to understand the wiring and and uh, DNA makeup of a team. Um, the resources I'm going to give you today are purely resources. They're tools. They're not labels. And I think sometimes what happens in culture and especially business culture, but even then in 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 other settings as well, people take on these. Um, assessments as identities Um, they accept them as labels and then sometimes they're used as a crutch they're used as an excuse or they're used as a reason or a way out from taking ownership or responsibility for a situation and so I feel like it's important to have the disclaimer that these assessments need to remain purely that they're just assessments I was having a conversation with a friend of mine this past week named Reese and we were talking about this very topic and I told him that this was the episode I was writing and this is what I wanted to unpack. Cause I feel like there's so much value from this. And I didn't know a whole lot about how I was wired until I started to have this language around it. But he said, I think the important thing to remember Adam is these are assessments, not aspirations. It's an assessment it helps you to understand who you are, but it's not an aspiration or something to, that you're, that you're working to achieve. Um, I think that helps this to remain a tool and not a label. So I want to remind you of that before we start digging into it, because if you've heard some of these, maybe your natural tendency is to roll your eyes or check out, but I want you to see the value that can be leveraged from it. And I hope that it gives you a little bit of context to how you can uh, understand yourself and then understand the people around you, engage with other people better. Um, and if you lead a team, lead those people better. So we're going to look at three different assessments. They kind of cover a variety of different things. There's definitely overlap, but they all kind of operate in a little bit of a different way. And so I'm going to show you guys three different assessments that I think are helpful for exposing the who and the DNA inside a team. So the first one is Myers-Briggs type indicator. Maybe you've heard of it. You've seen the the initials, the MBTI, but this is an assessment that's used to understand personality preferences and can be helpful for leadership development by helping individuals understand their communication style, decision-making approach, and how they interact with others. So through a series of questions, it's an assessment. Uh, The MBTI assessment helps you to identify your natural preferences in four areas of personality. Number one, how do you direct and receive energy? So by focusing on the outside world, interacting with people and taking action, or by focusing on your inner world and reflecting on ideas, memories, and experiences. Uh, Number two, how do you take in information? By focusing on what you perceive using your five senses or by seeing the big picture and looking for relationships and patterns. Number three, how do you decide and come to conclusions by logically analyzing the situation or by considering what's important to the people involved? Number four, how do you approach the outside world? In a planned, orderly way or more flexible, spontaneous way? So right now, those four areas, and then finally, um, uh, or the four areas, um, they, they start with uh, assessing your natural preferences within those. And then it sorts you into 16 distinct personality types. And these look like um, uh, either extroversion or introversion, sensing or intuition, thinking or feeling, judging or perceiving. And it gives you a really neat uh, result, helping you to understand where you land. And in all of those, the combination create a uh, a personality, create a preference uh, for you. I've seen this be really, really helpful in business. It's one of the most common um, uh, assessments I've seen uh, be taken. And I think it's so helpful because as you uh, get, take this assessment, you start to better understand how you're wired and your personality preferences. Um, you can identify where your strengths and where your personality in this assessment align to leadership. It helps in, in uh, larger corporations where um, there's initiatives to help build and do leadership development. Um, it's really neat. I've seen people be able to uh, get certifications and go and teach others how to take this assessment what to glean from it, and how to understand the results. This is a super helpful tool. Um, I, I have mine. Um, in fact, I wasn't planning on sharing it, but I can because the assessments that we're looking at today um, are all assessments that I have personally taken and find them to be extremely helpful. So what I'll do is I'll go ahead and share it, and then you can go and do some research. To see exactly what that means myers-briggs i am an enfp enfp and i will tell you exactly what that means so the enfp is also known as a campaigner now, there's a lot of information that you can find out about it. if you just google enfp like i just did you can find out more about that specific personality type. But I'd encourage you to go do some research. Understand this, these 16 personalities. Understand the Myers-Briggs uh, kind of uh, assessment. Take it. And um, maybe one day you're leading a team and you're able to to offer this assessment to your team members. Uh, another one that I find super helpful um, after Myers-Briggs is The Strengths Fighter. Um, there is a book. That was written by a guy uh, by the name of Tom Rath. And um, this book was published by Gallup. Um, The results are incredibly cool. uh, And the really, the thing I love about uh, these results is they kind of categorize them into four areas. And those four areas are strategic thinking, relationship building, influencing, and executing. And what I like about it is, in taking this assessment, it identifies where you are the strongest within those four categories. Um, I'm going to read through these quickly so that you can kind of hear what some of these uh, strengths are. But within the Strengths Finder, there's 34 different strengths, and they are range in in type. And so, in the strategic thinking category, we have analytic, context, futuristic, ideation. Input, Intellection, Learner, and Strategic. Those are the Strategic Thinking category strengths. And then in the Relationship Building, we have Adaptability, Connectedness, Developer, Empathy, Harmony, Includer, Individualization, Positivity, and Realtor. In Influencing, we have Activator, Command, Communication, Competition, Maximizer, Self-Assurance, Significance, and Woo. And then in Executing, there's the Achiever, the Arranger, Belief, Consistency, Deliberative, Discipline, Focus, Responsibility, and Restorative. What I like about this assessment is not only doesn't give you a really neat um, uh gives you these top five strengths, but it digs into not only the strengths, but where the weaknesses sometimes lie for people that carry those strengths. Because where you are strong, there's often an opposite where you may be weak. And so understanding where your strengths are can also help expose some of the areas you're going to need to fill in the gaps. Now, some people have taken this assessment and they don't like the negative. I've actually met people that have said, I don't like using assessments that tell me the negative because it's putting a label on me and I don't like that. This is where I think it's very important to remember. It's a tool, not a label Uh, because in this specific assessment, understanding where the weaknesses are was super, super helpful for me. It helped put language around some of the areas that I found myself struggling in more than once, but not really understanding that it was because there was a gap because there was this area that I just was not as proficient or strong in. And that's okay because being aware of it helped me to overcome or put guardrails and some disciplines in place to help me bridge that gap. So, for me and my strengths finder, my number one strength is woo. Um, the next one is positivity, communication, developer, and includer. So, I dug into my report and it gave me tons of information about my strengths, my weaknesses. And what I did personally is I went into that report and I highlighted the areas that stuck out to me, that were applicable to me. Because it, taking an assessment, multiple choice question, or rating it on a scale of one to five, it's not going to be able to determine a, who you truly are um, completely. There's always going to be that piece that... Um, intangible and that's your soul and that's your spirit and that's part of what drives you. Um, but in, in taking these assessments, it's, it's possible to build a little bit of a profile of areas that you're going to be strong in. So while I identified with all these strengths, I didn't necessarily identify with all of the details within the strengths or the weaknesses. So I went in and I highlighted them because it was super helpful and it reminded me of, okay, these are the areas that I totally identify with, that make absolute sense to me, for where my strengths are, and then I had a little bit of of uh, of an honest gut check and said these are the areas of of uh, focus that I need to make sure that I'm improving on and aware of because these these are a little bit of uh, of weaknesses. So that's the Strengths Finder. I recommend grabbing the Strengths Finder book because I believe when you purchase the book, it came out in two thousand seven been around for a little while, but I do think you get a code within the book so that you can go ahead and take your own assessment. And I think that would be super helpful um, and would encourage you to do that. And then finally, the last um, assessment is the Enneagram. Now, this one is a little different. Strengths Finder, I feel like, and even Myers-Briggs give you a little bit more of a hard and soft skill blend. And I think Enneagram is more of an emotional intelligence, emotional uh, assessment. Um, that's just my, my interpretation. Um, but I found this one to be extremely helpful as well. And there's a couple of reasons why. Um, but the way that this assessment works is you, you take a, an assessment test. And from that, it identifies nine different Enneagram types. And from those nine types, you usually have one that you're the strongest in. And then depending on the test you take, they will assign a wing or kind of your second highest. And, and those are kind of the two that are most uh, resonate with you the the most. So um, I've seen this one used a lot in um, nonprofit world, in church world. Um, This is not as popular in my opinion in the uh in the corporate setting yet as far as teams that are attacking this and sinking their teeth into it and understanding it i think it's super super helpful this is probably the assessment where there is the biggest um potential for somebody to assign themselves a title or a label or an aspiration when it comes to these nine different types I've seen people make excuses for themselves because they are one of these types. And I'm here to tell you, it's not acceptable. We're not going to use an assessment to justify something that might not be appropriate or right or professional. So these are not a label or a title or an aspiration to hide behind. Again, these are tools and assessments to help peel back the onion And understand the wiring of who you are so that you can then be the best version of yourself. So if you've never heard of the Enneagram, you can take a look at it. But here are the nine Enneagram types that I think would be helpful for you to um, understand a little bit more about this assessment. Number one, the reformer. Two is the helper. Three is the achiever. Four is the individualist. 5 is the investigator, 6 is the loyalist, 7 is the enthusi- enthusiast, Excuse me. 8 is the challenger, and 9 is the peacemaker. Now, I will be honest, when I first learned about this, I wanted to be a 7 because an enthusiast is who I thought I was. Um, that's me, I'm an enthusiast, I'm crazy, I'm fun-loving, busy, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, scattered, all those things kind of do describe me, but what I realized is after taking this assessment, I align a little bit more with the two and the three, the two and three popped very, very close in, um, in range for me as far as the, the most prominent and then the wing, um, but the last time I took it, I was a two with a wing three, so that means I'm a helper with the achiever wing the helper is caring interpersonal um demonstrative generous people pleasing possessive number three is the achiever the success oriented pragmatic adaptive excelling driven and image conscious and the neat thing about the enneagram is they really do give you a dose of strength and shortcoming strength and weakness um Exposing some of the areas in wiring that can be harder to accept in some cases, um, but also important for us to understand in most. And so that's a, a very big, uh, big one and worth taking a look at. All of these assessments really do help us to better understand who we are, sometimes put language around the way that we're wired. And then it gives us a tool set and a baseline to strengthen ourselves from. I'm a big believer in in that if you are, um, when you find something that you're good at, or there's, there's an area that you have talent and a strength to excel and grow that area. And having these assessments has helped me to be able to grow and strengthen the areas that I was created with talent in and created with creativity and and a uniqueness about me now I could sit here and just say hey you know what I'm never going to get into the details because if you look at my strengths finder they have nothing to do with getting into the details my strengths finder is all about woo and positivity and communication and developing and including but it has nothing to do with with detail oriented things ENFP. Uh, Enneagram 2, 3, a lot of these assessments for me personally did not have a lot to do with proficiency in being detail oriented. Well, guess what? That doesn't mean I hide behind the details and say, I just can't do this. It means I go in knowing I'm going to have to put practices in place to help me bridge the gap because details is an area I'm not the best at. So I've figured out over a lot of time. What works? What doesn't work? How do I how do I make sure I don't let something slip through the cracks? Where do I keep my list and my notepad? And how do I track things? Because if I'm going to step into more leadership, more responsibility, um, making a, a bigger impact, I've got to grow in the areas I'm not so proficient in. So that's how a lot of this has helped me. Here's where I think it could connect to you. Um, and this has been a very... Um, practical episode um, but but what I what I would encourage you to do is one take a look at some of these assessments, jump into some of them if you've never explored it's worth exploring better understand yourself, start working on the areas that you can strengthen. but when you go into any type of environment where you're working with a group of people, whether or not you're leading them, you'll start to realize and see, the different wirings and the different DNA that make people who they are. And you can start to communicate to those people in such a way that leans into their strengths, leans into where they get their motivation from, how they're wired. Um, I've seen this be extremely beneficial and helpful in working with teams where we went um, out of the country And, and into another, another environment. And we were doing projects and mission work and it helped me to be able to better understand each individual of the team so that when a stressful situation came up and people started to respond, I almost had foresight into how this could potentially play out based on the personalities and, and who we have here. Um, I've also seen it be super beneficial in pairing teams together where you have one large group and you got to break them down into groups of four or three or five and being able to grab the best people that can leverage each other's strengths and work together and, and, and pull the best out of each other and bridge the gap of each other's strengths so that you can create really, really positive teams and maximize their capability. Because here's the reality. If you put all the extroverts in one group and all the introverts in another group um, and you put all the people that are detail-oriented in that group and all the people that are a little bit more uh, fluid and carefree in, in another group the gaps are going to be hard for, to fill and there's going to be multiple people in there so it only compounds the the gap it only grows the gap more because there's more to accomplish and more people there and everybody happens to have similar or the same gaps When you can strategically connect people that have different strengths that bring other things to the table, you now have this very unique DNA that has the potential to be maximized in such a way to get incredible results. That's what I've seen happen. That's where these tools can truly be helpful. And that's where I hope uh, you take the practicality of this episode and apply it to yourself personally and to teams um, that you work in. Maybe make the suggestion if you're a volunteer group and you spend a lot of time with that one specific team that you guys do some kind of initiative together and then share your results together. Um, If you're leading an organization or leading a team within an organization, maybe look to see if there's some resources around you um, where you can get a facilitator to come in and work on one of these assessments with you and your team, walk you through it, unpack the results so that you have not just the results for each individual individual, but you also have the support of somebody who spends all their time in this because they see the benefit and they know that this is going to help people maximize themselves and the people around them. Here's the reality. There's so many components and so many things that create and build a synergetic culture. There's, There's different areas of leadership. There's soft skills. There's hard skills. There's DNA and personalities and um, effort and some of the intangibles like grit that we've talked about before. There's uh, networking and relationships and there's so many different things that comprise of a synergetic culture. Taking advantage of resources to help you Better build the culture and the people around you only helps to create a more synergetic culture, create an environment where people and uh, the individuals that are a part of it get better, have a positive experience and maximize who they are. Because at the end of the day, like I said at the beginning, who is more important than what, who you are matters more than what you do. And when you believe that and you live that, it's magnetic, it's relational, it's intentional. And people want to follow people that believe in them, that know them, that know how they're wired and maximize their strengths to get the best possible results. So that is what this episode is all about. Now, there are tons and tons of other resources out there. There's tons of assessments that can be taken, take them with a grain of salt, jump into them. Maybe some of them you might find not so great, you know, chew the meat, spit out the bones, whatever the, whatever the phrase is, but get what you can out of them. Remember that they are tools, not labels. These are assessments, not aspirations, but they really are helpful when used properly. To better understand and leverage you and your people and that's what I want to help you do so that's today's episode of synergetic culture we will be back very soon with another episode and we'll continue to work on how we can build a more synergetic culture because that's what this is all about so thanks for spending a little bit of time with me and I hope to hear you see you back here soon thanks guys
0: thank you for listening to today's episode To learn more about Synergetic Culture, we invite you to go to SynergeticCulture.com. Sign up to receive our weekly podcast and blog, and then connect with us on social media. We want to be connected to you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe to the podcast, and then share our show with the people around you so they too can build a Synergetic Culture. This episode was written and recorded by Adam Bieber, founder and CEO of Synergetic Culture. Synergetic Culture is a registered trademark of Adam Bieber and the Synergetic Culture Company.